Thank you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Hope everybody's doing all right. Y'all had a good week? Yeah, I don't believe that. Have y'all had a good week? Yeah, good, good. Winter still has its hand on us. But spring is right around the corner, right? It's going to get warmer, so that's good. That's good. How many of you are um, watching the basketball tournament, NCAA tournament? Yep. Good. How many of you have a bracket that is going absolutely incredible? Oh, nice. Nice. Good. Good, 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 good. Good. Um, I am excited about St. Peter's, actually. Now, you might be a Carolina fan in the room. Don't, please don't hold this against me, but today I'm actually pulling for St. Peter's. Uh, If UNC wins, okay, I'm trying to get all the UNC, if they win, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with the Duke and UNC matchup. That's one of the most entertaining games ever, ever. It's absolutely incredible. But, you know, I have to pull for St. Peter. He was in the Bible. Okay? He was in the Bible. And if they win, you have to think of it as St. Peter against the devil. Right? And so you want St. Peter to win, you know, boom, boom, boom. And if they do win, I am posting on Facebook, like if they beat Duke, okay, the devils. If they beat the devils, I'm posting on Facebook. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell cannot stand against it. Yeah, that's one of I'm sure you didn't mean basketball, but nonetheless, there you go. All right, so with that in mind, I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Before we actually uh, <clears throat> jump in to the text this morning, um, I want to show you a couple of things. No, I don't. I don't want to show them anything. I want to show them that. Let's show them one of them. Here's a comic. We couldn't get a sitter. Uh, wah, 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 wah. Here's another one. Here's another one. This is Austria enters the space race. Yeah, it's a strange shape, but I guarantee it'll come back. All right, the last one. I got to do the last one. All right. Early vegetarians returning from the kill. (laughs) Yeah. I have been watching the NCAA tournament, and what I've noticed is that during the commercials, there's like this push for women's equality, right? It's just a push, push, push. It is a, it's uh, things that are, promoting the NCAA Women's Tournament, which I'm perfectly fine with. Had a daughter, played basketball, enjoyed the games, went to some uh, women's uh, Wake Forest games, enjoy those games. Not saying I don't enjoy it, but they're really pushing it. So they're trying to get, you know, this woman, us to watch the women's NCAA Tournament. Uh, Then there's other commercials about swimming, like 10% of people watch women's games and 90% watch the men's games. It's just this whole, this whole type of deal going on. And so there's been this push for like women's equality. Let's make it equal. Women can do exactly 
what a man can do. And so that's what's been pushed on us. I'm here to tell you this morning that a woman cannot do what a man can do. And a man can't do what a woman can do. You see, equality is not what we should be going for. Now, when this thing first started in the 70s and 80s, it was making women equal with men. You know, equal with men, they, they were a value. It was a value thing. They're just as valuable as men are. I can go with that. I can go with that. But equality today isn't that. Equality today is, is something totally different. It's a different bird. And the Bible doesn't teach that men and women are equal. It doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that a man is complementary to a woman and a woman is complementary to a man. It doesn't mean that they're equal. If you don't believe that women aren't equal with men, okay, NCAA swimming. There's a guy that's identified as a woman. He can't be beat because he's made differently. He's made differently. It doesn't make him better. It doesn't make him worse than a woman. It makes him complementary. This is the, the view of marriage. You see, I needed a compliment. I need somebody to come alongside of me and make me better. And guess what? Nicole needed somebody to come alongside her and make her better. And I know that there's a lot of women that do not believe that the men make them better, but I'm here to tell you the men make you better. Better at the way you think, the better at the way you go through life. You're with somebody and he's with you. He compliments you. And we have pushed, pushed, pushed for so long that women are better than men, that women are equal to men. And where it's gotten us is this whole gender identity thing and so we're all equal, so I can choose either one, and it doesn't matter. And I'm here to tell you the Bible says it matters. We are not equal. We are different and complementary of each other. Does that make sense? That's what the Bible teaches. This is why you marry the opposite sex. I married a woman. I can't even go the next statement there. I just can't breathe that to my lips to say, if I had, I can't even do that. I married a woman. It was never an option for me. I needed a woman. And Nicole needed a man. Two men do not make a family unit, according to Scripture, and two women do not make a family unit, according to Scripture. The Word of God says you are not complete until you have married a person of the opposite sex. It is amazing how evil we have become. How evil we have become and how blinded the culture has become. Like it's perfectly normal for some people to say, oh, well, he, he identifies as a woman so he can swim in, in the women's... But no, 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 no. He can't. He can't. This is where I don't care what you're identifying with. Your biology is this, and you belong in the men's sports, where you will lose. 
Look, he's not going to beat the real men. Is that okay to say? He's just not going to. So to make him feel better, he's, okay. So you look at this and you wonder, what in the world can I do about it? Right? I see these commercials. I see all this kind of stuff going on. I see all this evil happening. And the world is a dark place. It's an evil place. What can I do about it? And I know what I want to do about it. I want to swoop in and just take care of business. I want to swoop in and just eradicate evil from the world. I want to swoop in and smack a couple of people and then make everything right. Right? Do you ever feel that way? You ever feel like, feel like that? Yeah, I do from time to time. And then, and then I'm a Christian. Okay. And that brings us to Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. And this is what it says. <clears throat> he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Okay, so we know because Jesus interprets this later that that man that's sowing seed is God the Father. God the Father is sowing seed in the entire world. And he uses men to do it. He uses you and I to do it, mankind to do it. Verse 25, it says, But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So God planted seeds in the entire world, and then his enemy came in and planted seeds alongside the seeds that God had planted. See, we don't completely understand this because he's referring to something that happened in Jesus' day, and this is what happened. If you had a field that was next to somebody else's field and they were always doing good and you got jealous of them, what would happen is this individual would sow tares amongst your wheat so that your crop would be worth less than their crop so that they would make more money than you at harvest season. Isn't that awful? The answer is yes, that is awful. So instead of just letting the good be good and you just do your own work and make yours better, I am jealous of this guy, so I'm going to sow tares amongst the wheat. And so the owner of this property bought good seed, but his enemy came in and planted tares among the wheat. This is the picture that Jesus is, is showing here. God the Father planted the world to be good, and the devil came in, and he planted his seeds of evil. He planted tares among the wheat. You see, evil is not supposed to be a part of this creation. Evil is not supposed to be here. Evil is alien. It's not supposed to be here. And so it comes in, evil is always personal, it's always done by somebody, and the devil came in and he put the seeds of evil into the hearts of Adam and Eve, and that is why we are here today. So there's wheat and tears alongside of the wheat. So this uh, parable continues. It says, verse 27, and the servants, oh, verse 26, so when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, master, did you sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? 
And he said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? So that right there is exactly what I was talking to you about earlier. These servants want to say, hey, there's tares in the wheat, let's go get them. Let's take care of the evil. We're focused on these tares. They're messing up the whole thing. Let's get rid of the tares. Let's get rid of them. Let's go at it. And that's you and me. From time to time, we just want to like storm the capital, right? We want to go after the people that are evil and eradicate them from our government, eradicate them from uh, our culture, eradicate these people from being in charge. We want to go in and just take care of business and get rid of them and focus on that. And before too long, our focus is more on battling the evil than what God really wants our focus to be on. See, God doesn't want us to get so emotional and so upset that we go after things to eradicate evil from among us. He continues in this passage, Jesus does. He says this, verse 29, but he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. See, if we were to eradicate evil from this world, we would eradicate some wheat along with it. In uh, Luke chapter 9, there's a story that's told. There's these two, two apostles named the Sons of Thunder, and one of them's named John. And Jesus is at a uh, village, a Samaritan village, and, and he's you know, doing his miracles, teaching, but the village is rejecting him. And they must be being very disrespectful to Jesus because one of the sons of thunders get, gets very angry. Lord, I can't, believe they, I can't believe they're talking to you like this. I can't believe they're rejecting you like this. Can I call fire down out of heaven and burn this village? That's what the guy asked Jesus. You ever felt that way? <laughs> yes, you have in-laws. You have felt that way, okay? You have felt this way. Can I fu get fire and just burn this village down? And Jesus says, no, no. Later on in Acts chapter 9, that same village has a revival and people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, let's play this through. If John had gotten his way and burned the village down, there would be a group of people that would be in the lake of fire burning for eternity because they would not have had the chance to receive Jesus as their Savior. Acts chapter 9, because it waited, God knew there was going to be a revival. There was wheat in that little city. And so people were saved. See, your job and my job isn't to eradicate evil from the world. Now, your job is to make sure evil is not in your heart. That's your job. But our job is not to go after the evil in the world. That is God's job. And look at verse 30. It says, let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers... Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. God is the one that is going to eradicate evil from the world. God is the one that can do it efficiently, and we should leave it to him. We 
have another job to do. And it's not burning down stuff. It's something totally different. Verse 31 says this, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches. You know what you and I are supposed to be focused on? We're supposed to be focused on planting seeds of the kingdom. That's your job, and it's my job. We're supposed to plant seeds of the kingdom. Yeah. That means that when we go to our homes today, and we have children, that means that in our home, we plant seeds of faith into their hearts at all times. That is our job. Seeds of faith into their heart, into, the, into our homes, into their hearts. When we go out into the culture, no matter where we are, we plant seeds of faith, seeds of the kingdom everywhere we go. When we go to our jobs this coming week, we are planting seeds of the kingdom at that particular moment. No matter what we do, we are planters. In other words, we do the good work of the kingdom no matter where we go. We do those good works. We do good. We live like God wants us to. We do the things God wants us to do, and we plant the seeds. Now, you might be saying, well, Philip, do you know my children? I have been planting seeds for a long time, and it doesn't seem like anything is happening, right? And I would tell you, I do know your children, and I love your children, and I think you're doing a good job. Well, maybe one or two of you. I'm just kidding. Just, just, I, have a list. I don't have a list. I don't have a list at all. But you're doing, a great, you're doing a great job. But man, I just don't see any fruit of anything that I've put into their hearts in their life. Well, this parable speaks to that. You see, when you plant a mustard seed, you do not immediately see the effects of that mustard seed. It has to grow. It has to germinate. It has to come up out of the ground. It has to grow big. So you do not always see your efforts of planting the seeds of faith into your family and into your home. It says, it's the smallest of all seeds, verse 32, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches. Eventually what happens with your seeds of faith is it grows bigger and then other people get the benefit of you planting good seeds into their soul and they get to rest from the evil in this world. That is what you do. So let me, let me give you an example, something that Nicole and I had done. When we first came to this church, we decided not to live in Davie County because we didn't want our children to go to Davie County schools. It's not because we thought Davie County schools was bad, so don't take it that way, wasn't that. I did not want Quinn and Aurora to grow up in a school system where they were pastor kids. And then if I had to handle something in the school system where I would enter the building as a pastor in the area, I just didn't want that to happen. I wanted to be dad, which by the way is my first priority. Secondly is pastor. I wanted to be dad to my children. And so we left them in Forsyth County and it worked beautifully. We've handled a lot of things in the Forsyth County school system. My wife more than me, 
Well, we have handled a lot of things, and we can walk in, we could walk in as parents. For instance, when my daughter was at Haynes Middle School, there was a reading list she had to do for the coming year, and my wife read all of those books. She, she read every book that my kids were going to read during the year. I did not. I read other things, but she read those things. And there was this book that had some stuff in it that we did not feel was appropriate for not only Aurora, but anybody in middle school. Anybody in middle school. So what we did was we scheduled a meeting with the teacher, and with the teacher was the other leadership of the school, including the principal, and we sat down with them and we explained our concerns. And then we requested that Aurora be assigned a different book to read if they were going to keep this one on the reading list. So what we did there was we didn't go in blazing saying that we were Christians and how dare they have this book in and all upset trying to eradicate the evil. Instead, we went in as kingdom citizens and planted a seed in a very kind way that this is something that kids should not have, should not be reading. The result of that was they took the book off the reading list and replaced it with something else for everybody else. That is a mustard seed that is planted that grows into a tree and all those kids that year was under the safety of a kingdom principle that was planted effectively. That is the way that we're supposed to work. You cannot handle things in this world by getting so upset and wanting to eradicate it. You have to step back and you have to think, how can I plant a seed of the kingdom in this moment? We didn't win every time. We didn't win every time. There's sometimes that we went in and we planted a seed and we just didn't win. But here's the deal. That seed was planted. And according to the word of God, that seed was there and it has helped somebody. We just don't know. We just don't know who. It was, it's a mystery. Like, it's hidden. Like, we don't see the effects of the seed planted, planting that we actually did. Well, Philip, like, don't you want to see it? Shouldn't you see it? That way you could praise God and be in victory? No, I don't have to see it. In fact, the next parable talks about you and I planting uh, seeds of the kingdom and us not seeing it. It uses it in the form of leaven, though. And here, leaven is not of sin, it's, it's kingdom. So, verse 33, he told them another, another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. She hid it in the flour, and then it permeated through the whole flour and eventually took over the whole flour, and that became part of the whole organization. Sometimes the seeds that you're planting are hidden. You're not seeing the effectiveness of them. Sometimes people don't want you to know that what you have said is affecting them in a good way. Right? But over time, it permeates through the whole lump and it actually turns out to be something very good. Very good. Um, I would like to encourage the kids and the teenagers in this room to when you're at school and there's something going on that is against the word of God, that, that is the moment 
that you stand up and you say, I don't do those things. We don't do those things because we believe in Jesus. And you don't have to say it that way. If there's a group of friends that are about to participate in some illegal substances, and you know that your mom and dad wouldn't want you to do that, and you know that the Bible doesn't want you to do that, that is the moment that you say, can we do something else? That is not something that I want to be, that I want as a part of my life. When you receive text messages from people that aren't the right type of text messages. Well, well, Phil, what, what do you mean not the right type of text messages? If you do not feel comfortable showing me the text message, that is the moment that you tell your friends to quit sending them to you. Use me as your litmus test. I don't know your Excuse me. If that's something that you wouldn't want me to see on your phone, tell your friends, quit sending that to me. And if they keep sending you, there's this little thing called block on your phone. You block them. And what you have just done is you've not only sowed a seed into your friend's life, but you've sowed a mustard seed into your own life, and you're going to be better for it later on. That tree grows. You don't have to be abrasive about it. When I, was in, when I was in school, back, you know, when we were in wagons, I guess, I can say that now, I'm not really that old. But uh, back when I was in school, uh, I'd picked up what was called a chick track. I don't know if you're, anybody remembers what a chick track is, but a chick track is like a comic book track that tells the gospel, okay? And I had one that I had um, in the center of my car. So when I took friends home from band or friends home from school and stuff, it was a it was a track that I had never read, but they would get into the car and pick it up and say, what is this? I said, oh, it's just, it's a track that I picked up. I, well, have you read it? Nope, haven't read it yet. Why don't you read it to me? And so they would sit in my car and read the track as I'm driving, and then we'd talk about it, and then we would just move on. Now, you might think that that is absolutely a ridiculous strategy, but because of Facebook, I've had a few of my friends contact me to say this. Do you remember that track that you used to have in your car? And you made me read through it? Well, later in life, I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior because of that experience. I got married, had children. This is a recent one. Had children and just thought, something's wrong in my life. And God brought that track back to my mind. And I received Jesus as my Savior. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not me. That did that. That is God. Taking a seed, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, laying the seed right there, they read it, it's planted, and then later, it grew up into a tree, and they received Jesus as their Savior. We may not know that mustard seed and how it grew up to affect the kingdom until we get into glory. But the promise is, if you sow the seeds of the kingdom, those seeds will grow and there will be good things that come from them, even if you don't see it at the time. There is never a reason not to do something for the kingdom just because you can't see the effectiveness of it right now. You do it because Jesus told you to, and it is a privilege for us to sow kingdom seeds. It's a privilege. Could God do it himself? Absolutely. But it is a privilege to sow those seeds. So we sow them in our 
home as much as possible. Let me ask you a question. This past week, what kind of seeds did you sow in your house? Was it kingdom seeds or Duke Blue Devil seeds? <laughs> Which kind of seeds was it? Was it the kind that you're supposed to sow in your house or was it tares for the enemy? Oftentimes, Christians work for the enemy more than they work for the Savior. We decide to do things in our life, uh, treat people certain ways, talk certain ways, watch certain ways, do certain things that is in the devil's world and with the devil's seeds. And every time we participate in that, we are helping him sow seeds in our home that are tares. But what if you and I just sowed kingdom seeds and make made that the goal of our life. That in everything that we do, we will honor Jesus, we will honor his word, we will live by his word, and we will constantly plant those little mustard seeds of faith into our home and into our family. It would change the way your family operates. You sow, you sow, you sow. And then you go out and you sow in the community and you sow there. You watch everything that you do. And you make sure that you're not helping the enemy. You make sure that you're planting the seeds that God has called you to plant. And it will come back as a harvest. It does every time. We give people the gospel. We invite people to church. We are kind to them when we need to be kind to them. We are considerate and show grace and mercy. We are loving toward people. Loving does not mean we accept their sin. That is not what it means. But we do talk about it in such a way that that is not the right way to live and this is the right way to live. I think it's perfectly fine to speak out concerning scripture, but I do think that we need to do it in a loving way and not a mean way. We don't need to degrade people, but we need to lift them up with encouragement to point them toward a savior that can change their lives. That is our job. We are supposed to be people that plant. So we move on. Verse 44, check this out. It says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. And in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I think it's interesting that in all of these parables, God is using farming type stuff and fields and, and things like that. I would submit to you today, and I could be wrong about this. I don't think I'm wrong. I think farmers are most, some of the most wise people I know. I think they're wiser than the most educated people I know. Farmers tend to be very, very wise, and there's some wisdom in all of this. So here, it's this treasure that's hidden in the field, and a man found it and covered it up, and in his joy goes and sells all he has and buys a field. So this guy finds a treasure. The treasure is the gospel, is the kingdom, is those truths. And he goes over here to his former life, and everything that he has, he sells, all of it. He gets rid of all of it. Because there's something about this treasure that is in this field that is so valuable to him and so important to him that it outshines his old way of life. 
And so what he's gonna do is he's gonna sell all of this stuff, he's gonna get rid of it, and he's gonna buy this field, and this is where he is going to live. He is going to live in a different location with a new treasure, a new way of life. Problem with us sometimes is we're Christians, but we don't treasure the gospel because that is a picture of the gospel, isn't it? Yes, it is a picture of the gospel. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins so that you could accept him as your savior. That is the treasure so that you would have eternal life. And at the moment that you do that, all this other stuff that you used to do, you cut yourself off from it. And you go to the field and you live in the kingdom in a new land of promise. That's what you do. Too many Christians don't give up all of this stuff over here. They hold on to it. They try to make it to the field. I got my toe in the kingdom. The rest of me is right here and I look ridiculous. Do you you treasure the stuff that you have more than you do the treasure Jesus has given you? We need to quit treasuring the stuff here and value what he has given us because that takes us there. So many times I think the reason that we fight to eradicate evil is not because we're doing kingdom work or we think that we are. We're trying to preserve something that is passing away that we should have been letting go of a long time ago. And instead we live for the kingdom because this is where life is at. This is what we need to be about. This is what God wants us to be about. Do we really treasure his gift? Then we would leave that stuff behind. It should be, listen, it should be no contest, no contest between our new way of life and our old one. The new life that Jesus Christ has given us there should be no contest. We should have no pull in that direction. It is, we treasure it so much. We give our entire life to it. So many times we don't treasure it enough. We, we hold on to this stuff over here. And guys, we complain about the president and the government. You need to start complaining about yourself and say, look, I'm holding on to this. And I need to change myself and treasure Jesus and his gift more and live in this land instead of that one. So Jesus doesn't stop there because just in case his audience didn't get it, he tells another parable. And this is what he says, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. So I'm not really into pearls. (laughs) Are you? I'm not really into pearls. Anybody else in here into pearls? Like really into them? Like, you know, you started a website and all the crazy people that are into pearls are on that website. 
No, now that it's said crazy, you're not going to be into pearls. You know, this particular passage of scripture, I'm like, okay, I don't really, uh, pearl, okay, this is a pearl of great price. He sold everything. I, I get it, but I'm just, it just doesn't get my getter. You know what I mean? It doesn't get my getter. Is there anything that you, that you value a whole lot? Like anything that you're into? Can you think of anything that you're into that you value a lot? Anybody? You value something? Huh? Sure, sure. Weapons, you know, stuff at home. Your family, good. That's good value. So, so here's a situation where this guy sells everything for something that I believe is, I mean, why would you do that? What, what am I going to do with a pearl? I have nothing now. I'm going to starve myself to death. I have no job, no place to live, no land. You see, the treasure makes sense because I have a treasure here and I have land to live on. I can cultivate the land, but here's this pearl of great price. What in the world is going on here? What in the world is going on here? And then I started to think, when you're a Christian, it doesn't make much sense, really, in the world's eyes to live for Jesus, does it? No. In the world's eyes, it doesn't make much sense for you to live for Jesus. They don't understand it. So this pearl, to me, is like something the world doesn't understand, but I value. They don't understand why I have sold everything and given my entire life to working for God. They don't understand that. It's like a pearl. Like, why would you do What could you do with the pearl? How does that help you? But that's particularly the picture that is, that is shown here. I want you to turn to your neighbor and just tell them your address. Yeah, you told them your address. I would submit to you this morning that that was not my address, unless you were this one. It wasn't my address. In fact, I would, I would say that you value your property more than you value mine. And if you value my property more than you value yours, that is called covetousness, and that is not what this sermon is about, okay? So you value your property more than you value mine. This particular pearl picture is saying this. I value what God has given me above everything else in this world, even though the world looks at it and says it doesn't make sense. Even though it looks like it would not work, it does work. I'm gonna hold on to this pearl because this pearl of great price was given to me by God. It is salvation and it will supply all of my needs from here to eternity. And I believe that. So I leave everything else behind. We know that everything here is temporary. We need to live like that. So when it comes to planting seeds, we go under the perspective that it doesn't matter what I have here. I mean, I'm still gonna work. I'm still gonna have a place to live. I'm still gonna do that, but I'm not attached to it. What I'm attached to every day is planting seeds for the kingdom of God doing good works in the kingdom for him so that something outlasts me into the future when Jesus returns. I'm planting, planting seeds.
I'm a real big fan of, um, of Andrew Peterson. I don't know if anybody knows who that is, but Andrew Peterson is one of my, my favorite people to listen to. And uh, if you want to get into him, I, I suggest the Resurrection Letters. He has a prologue to the Resurrection Letters and then Resurrection Letters Volume 1 and then Resur- Resurrection Letters Volume 2. Absolutely incredible music. But <clears throat> one day, um, he and his daughter, uh, was, it was a rainy day, and he was kind of down about the day. It had been raining for quite some time, and, and he had just got down about the rain, and the rain was really kind of just making him a little bit depressed. And he was just focused on the rain, focused on the rain, focused on the rain, focused on the rain. And his daughter came up to him and said, Dad, can we go outside and, and plant some seeds? And he said, in the rain? And she said, yeah, in the rain. So they, they got some seeds and they went outside and, and they planted seeds in the rain. Dirt over them, planted the seeds and spent quite some time out there. And then they came back into the house. And his daughter took a piece of paper after that experience and wrote these words. Planting seeds inevitably changes my feelings about rain. Planting seeds inevitably changes my feelings about rain. If you want to change your feelings about the storm that we currently are in culturally, start planting seeds. It's not getting angry about it. It's not trying to eradicate evil that's going to make the biggest difference It's changing your viewpoint on the rain, on the dark times, and plant seeds of the gospel. It will change your whole perspective on what's happening in our world. Plant the seeds. In his book, I mean, in a a song, but he wrote this in his book. There's a song he, he has called Let the Rain Fall. He took those words and he turned them into these words. And this is what it says. My daughter and I put the seeds in the dirt, and every day now we've been watching them, the earth for a sign that this death will give away to a birth, and the rain keeps falling. Down on the soil where the sorrow is laid, and the secret of life is igniting the grave, and I'm dying to live, but I'm learning to wait, and the rain keeps falling down. Our job is to plant seeds as the earth and the world gets darker and darker and darker. Because our hope is not in a change in the weather. Our hope is in a savior that saves us from it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the stage you've given us. We thank you for this passage of scripture.